So I'll give you a second to turn there. Mark is in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, second New Testament book in the Bible. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Right, I'm going to start us out with prayer and then I'm going to read. Father God, we just uh, thank you so much for uh, just the time that we have together here um, as the body of Christ. And so far we've, we've been able to, uh, to worship you through song and to, to laugh and uh, God just to, to worship you through prayer and God just to hear amazing testimonies about how you are redeeming marriages. And God, we just thank you this morning. We just give you praise. And I just pray now that as we, as we continue to worship you through studying of your word, and God, I pray that you would just fill this place with your spirit. God, that you would open our minds and our hearts to your word. God, and most importantly, that we would just see you for who you are, and we would see ourselves for who we are. And we would see our need for you. God, that's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark 21. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. It starts out like this. It says, they went to Capernaum. This is talking about Jesus and his disciples. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue. That's kind of like our church today. And he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also, also amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about Jesus spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went uh, with James and John to the, to the home of Simon, who was Peter, and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out demons, uh, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone, everyone is looking for you. I don't know about you, but Mark is probably one of my favorite Gospels. Mark wastes absolutely no time in showing us who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God. You see, both Matthew and Luke's Gospel take their time in kind of leading us up into Jesus' ministry. They kind of ease into it. I mean, they start off with a little bit of genealogy, and they'll uh, start off with this nice little birth story. You know, when we uh, read Luke's birth story, it's really nice, and it talks about how Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem on a donkey, and... Uh, you have the wise man who came from the east, and the shepherds were watching over their flocks. and It's this beautiful story, right? But not Mark. Mark, on the other hand, is fast-paced and more of a rapid-fire kind of a gospel. It's like, 
It's like right off the bat, Jesus is in your face, and you're like, well, hello, Jesus. <laughs> you're here. And that's his point. That's his point. He has called his first disciples to follow him, and he wastes no time introducing them into the ministry. I mean, one day you're on a boat and you're fishing, and the next day you're in the front row seat to watching Jesus casting out demons and healing people and, and casting out impure spirits. I mean, they're, they're, they're on a, a whirlwind ride here. I mean, Jesus was doing some off-the-chain stuff. You guys know what off-the-chain stuff is? It's crazy. He's doing some off-the-chain stuff. It says, people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority. Now, I love how he throws that in there because this means that, that when the Pharisees and religious leaders and scribes of Jesus' day, and those were the guys who kind of rubbed Jesus to wrong. I mean, they just kind of got in Jesus' face and they were kind of ridiculing him all the time and they were kind of giving him a hard time and they wanted to kill him all the time. And, you know, they just gave Jesus a hard time. And it's funny that Mark throws that in there because whenever they would teach, they would use other people's resources. They would use, like, Old Testament law and they would teach from that. But Jesus taught as one who had authority, and so Jesus was the one who was writing the commentaries. To give you an example of this in Scripture, when Jesus is teaching them the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, uh, he would say things like this. He would say, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. See, Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament law there, but then Jesus would go on to say, but I tell you. See, Jesus is teaching something new, something they've never heard before. He says, but I tell you, that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. They had never heard this kind of teaching before. They were amazed at his authority. And if that wasn't enough, Jesus is also showing his power and authority over demons, evil spirits, and diseases. Because he's healing people left and right. And it says that the news about Jesus spread all over the region. I mean, if you're standing in the line at Kroger, you see Jesus' face right there on the U.S. Weekly. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just, his fame is like spreading all over the region. There was a buzz about Jesus. I imagine the disciples having a conversation at the end of the day and being like, yeah, I think we made the right choice to follow this Jesus guy. He's pretty legit, <laughs> you know? He's pretty awesome. I mean, Jesus is having a pretty successful day. He's crushing and he's knocking out of the park. Churches all over Jerusalem are knocking down Jesus' door saying, hey, come be a part of our staff. Come on, come on. The text doesn't give us a specific time that Jesus went to bed. It just says that evening after sunset, and the reason why it says after sunset is because by law, by Old Testament law, you weren't able to heal on the Sabbath day. So after the sunset, people started bringing their sick to Jesus and their demon-possessed. It says, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let demons speak because they knew who he was. The point is that Jesus was working late, probably sipping on some Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. And the very next verse says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. And that's the point. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, is showing us his need for a relationship with the Father. That no matter how successful you may be at your job, no matter how successful you may be at your work, no matter how successful you may be at, uh, at teaching Sunday school class, no matter how many times you've 
uh, come to church in a row, no matter how many Sunday school pants that you have on your shirt, no matter how much you serve in ministry, no matter what you do, the most important thing you can do in our relationship with God is have regular, consistent conversations with Him. Jesus is teaching that the power behind His ministry, the power behind the teaching and the demon slaying and the healing, all flowed. Every bit of it flowed from an intimate relationship with the Father. And that is the bottom line for us today. As followers of Jesus, prayer is key to sustaining and growing in a personal, personal intimate relationship with God. That's the very first thing, all right? So if you want to take out your phone, all right, go ahead. If you want to do that, I'm okay with it, all right, your tablet. And you want to type that in. Prayer is key to sustaining and growing in a personal relationship with God. Hashtag Chester Christian, all right? If you want to do this later, you can jot that down and then go back and do it later, okay? I feel like you guys aren't with me this morning. You guys okay? You guys awake? All right, I'm not, I'm not doing blasphemy here by doing this, okay? You understand that, right? Okay, just, just making sure. All right, we're good? All right, so that's the very first thing there. I love what Charles Stanley says. Charles Stanley says this. He says, consistent, deliberate time alone with God in prayer is not an option in the Christian life. Nothing can take priority over it. Nothing accomplishes more than, than it. And there is no way to have a real meaningful relationship with God without it. If you've been with us over the last several weeks, we've been talking about what it means and what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you've missed any of those weeks, I want to encourage you to go out to our website, www.chesterchristian.org. Go to our media section, click on that. You can launch Media Player and listen to the podcast. And the very first step in following Jesus is recognizing that something is jacked up. Something's wrong. We live in a busted world. Something is wrong with me. And that something is called sin. See, in our world it's broken, and we are broken people because of sin, because we have rebelled against God. Romans 3.23 says that we are all separated from God because of our sinfulness. See, God is holy. He is perfect. He is without sin. And therefore, because we are sinners, our relationship with God has been broken, separated. But the good news of the gospel is that through Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, we have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sins and restored and redeemed. Our ability to have a relationship with God has been restored. And the key to maintaining that relationship is prayer. Now, just so we're all on the same page, because I don't know a lot of your backgrounds, I don't know if you grew up in church, and I don't know if you didn't grow up in church or not, but... I want you to understand that, that prayer is not a mysterious, um, hard-to-master practice reserved only for the clergy and the religiously devout, okay? I, I didn't go to Bible college and take a class on how to master prayer. Did you, Tom? Is it, did they teach that class in, in Bible college? Do they do? I, I missed it then. I, 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 I didn't take it. I didn't, oh, I got to go back now, okay? I, I didn't take that class. I didn't take that class. But what's funny is, is every time we have a family gathering uh, for my family, like Thanksgiving, we always kind of do a big Thanksgiving meal, you know. It's funny, I guess because I'm the only one in our family that's in ministry, I'm like the default prayer guy. You know, it's like, Aaron's here, he'll pray. Right, you can pray. It's okay, you can pray. All right. But what I want you to understand is that prayer is simply having a conversation with God, listening and talking to him. That's the second thing right there, okay. If you guys want to write that down. Uh, prayer is simply having a conversation with God, hashtag Chester Christian, all right? 
That's what it is. Simply put, prayer is a relationship. But here's the deal. I think, by and large, most of us in this room this morning that are followers of Jesus probably know that you should be talking to God. Like, like I don't think that this morning you're going to have that aha moment. Like, uh, what do you mean, Aaron? I should be talking to God? Like, I don't think that's going to happen this morning. I believe you know that. But the reality is we live, like we said, we live in a broken, busted world. And because of sin, our natural tendency is to lean towards, I don't want to use the word laziness, but complacency. You know what I mean? It's just our natural tendency. We're just naturally drawn in that way because of sin. You add to that our, our busy schedules and the demands on our time. And I'm willing to bet that prayer is probably not a priority in our life. Besides, it can feel strange talking to somebody that doesn't audibly talk back, right? It just feels weird. So what is the key to maintaining a healthy relationship? What is the key? Now, I'm going to ask this question, okay? And, 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 and I'm looking for one specific answer, right? And you guys, I know you guys can do this. I know you guys can get this right. Because what I don't want to happen is I don't want to ask this question, and then you shout out a wrong answer, and we have that awkward moment between us where I've got to kind of like act like I didn't hear that and then give you the right answer, okay? So I don't, I don't want that to happen this morning. So this is, I'm going to ask you a question. You know this. Jackie, your husband is a counselor, right? And I'm sure he teaches this all the time to marriage. You guys know this answer, okay? What is the key to maintaining any healthy relationship? One word. Come on. Ding, ding, ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You guys are spot on. Spot on. Communication is the key to maintaining that relationship. And not just communication, but, but quality communication. I mean, how many times does it say in Scripture that Jesus went off to a solitary place to pray? That Jesus went off by himself to pray? I mean, you'll find it all throughout the Gospels. Because praying when you're driving down 95, putting your makeup on and drinking coffee, is probably not going to result in quality conversation. Although it's probably good that you are praying, driving down 95, okay? I would encourage that, all right? Or if we find ourselves only praying during emergencies or we find ourselves just asking for stuff, God, give me this, God, give me that. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with those types of prayers, man. If you're praying those, keep praying. God loves those prayers, man, okay? I don't want to discourage you this morning. Keep praying those prayers. God loves them. Keep doing it. However, if those are the only times that we find ourselves praying, I'm not sure how intimate our relationship with God is. Let me explain it this way, and maybe, maybe this will help. Three weeks ago, as I said, our lives got a little chaotic when we brought home our brand new baby, Shepherd. Right? And uh, it's funny because months prior to Shepherd coming, I had been asking people who had multiple kids, and I would always, I, my question was this, I'd say, you know, what was the, the hardest transition, you know, uh, from baby, baby one to baby two? And they would give me a look like, dude, you are in for it, you just wait, okay? And so I was like, for months, man, I was fretting, I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be crazy. And so I would be like giving myself pep talks, I'd be like, okay, Hoback, you can do this, you can do this. And so the day of, like we're like leaving the hospital, the day of, I'm like giving myself this pep talk. I'm like, okay, Hoback, you can do this. We're going to, we're strong. We can do this. And I was like all confident in everything, right? 
Well, the nurses come in, and I'm talking to the nurses. I'm having a conversation with them. And uh, I find out she has three kids. I'm like, so I, I made the mistake of asking. So what was the transition like between one and two? And she looked at me like, oh, oh, you're in for it. And so my confidence level went all the way down, okay? So you add that to a three-and-a-half-year-old who's used to always having mommy and daddy's attention, and things could get a little messy, right? I mean, right now our life is consumed with feedings and changing diapers and dealing with emotional breakdowns from Jude, which consists of throwing a lot of things and flailing around on the ground. I mean, I'm telling you, man, he has brought up some emotions in me that I didn't know I had. Right? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm, like, I'm sitting there thinking, like, I, I'm feeling this stuff come bubble. I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know that was in me. Whoa, whoa. You add on top of that the financial burden of Robin only getting 60% of her pay and the lack of sleep we're getting. I'm just being straight up, man. Right now is not a good time to be visiting the hoe back home, right? This is not a good time. But here's my point. If all of our conversations revolve around Baby Shepherd or Jude's breakdowns or how to make the budget work for this month, I guarantee you, as you guys mentioned this morning already, that our relationship is going to deteriorate. We're going to find ourselves drifting apart. It's going to suffer. If we don't take those times to connect on a deeper level, we will find our relationship will begin to just deteriorate. That's why we've made a conscious effort to spend that hour together sitting beside each other on the couch after Jude's gone to bed because we need that hour to connect, to laugh, to talk to each other talk about something other than spit up diapers and temper tantrums. We need that hour to just cuddle each other. You know what I'm saying? Is that gross? Can I say that in church? Cuddle? We need that hour. And it's no different than with, with our relationship with God. We need those times to kind of just get off and connect. And the beautiful thing this morning is, is that God has invited us into his presence. Do you understand that? God has invited us into his presence. God genuinely desires to have a relationship with you. Listen to me. God genuinely likes you. Do you believe that this morning? Like I'm tearing up thinking about it. Like God genuinely likes you. We're not the unwanted house guests. You understand what I'm saying? Like we're not that family member that's overstayed their welcome, and they're like, they can't take the hint that we want them to leave, okay? We're not like that with God. I want you to think about this for a second. Our God, who is all-knowing, he knows everything. I mean, you're not sneaking anything past God. He knows every single sin that you've committed. He knows every single sin that you'll ever commit in the future. He knows your weaknesses. He's seen you at your worst. I mean, I think about some of the the worst moments in my life, and some of them have been in the last three weeks, right? And I think, God, you still love me. You still invite me into your presence. He still pursues me and desires to have a relationship. God is all-powerful. I mean, we're talking about a God who spoke the world into existence. God who created everything you see around you, and this all-powerful, almighty God pursues a loving, intimate relationship with you and me. Man, that is, that's awesome. See, God is not distant. 
He's not out of touch with his creation, but rather he is actively engaged in it. God invites us. He initiates contact with us. God pursues us. Romans 3.10 says this, because of sin, because of the sinful nature that we, because of sin, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. I mean, we don't even seek after God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. And yet the good news of the gospel is that in our rebellion, in our turning away from God, that God is actively pursuing us and inviting us into a loving relationship with himself. Amen? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent, he initiated, he pursued his son Jesus, so that whoever believes in him shall, have not, shall not perish but have everlasting life. I want you to understand that no matter where you're at in your life, God is pursuing you. Listen to me. If you're here this morning and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you're here because somebody invited you to church and they've been hounding you to come and you say, well, I'll just come to get them off my back. Well, guess what? You're here and I want you to know that God's pursuing you. God's pursuing a relationship with you. Man, maybe you're like me and you grew up in a church, but at some point you kind of walked away and said, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. And because of circumstances in your life or because of people in your life, for me it was my mom and my youth minister. God was actively pursuing me and he was wooing me back to him. God is pursuing a relationship with you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you came out of your mama's womb, a Christian, right? And if that's your story this morning, praise God. Praise God for that because you know what? God is still actively pursuing you. You know why? Because he wants to have a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. I want you to understand God is always pursuing you. God is always, always pursuing you. And that is awesome. And what's amazing invitation that God has given us to enter into his presence. See, everything else will flow from this relationship that we have with God. And what ends up happening is we become more God-centered rather than self-centered. That's the next thing. Go ahead and put that up there. Prayer moves us from being self-centered to being God-centered. Hashtag Chester Christian Church, right? This is huge. And really what it does is it begins to change and transform you. See, by our very nature, we tend to focus on ourselves. Again, going back to that sinful nature, we tend to focus on ourselves, and this isn't an easy thing, okay? I think about Jude, who's my three-and-a-half-year-old, and as his parents, we know what is best for him. We, we have his best interests in mind. So if he asks for something and we tell him no, and then we give him an explanation of why we tell him no, he will continue, he will continue to, to ask and ask, and ask, and ask, and ask, and ask. And it's funny, because Rob and I look at each other like, I guess he didn't understand the first time we told him. And like an hour later, we're like, you still don't understand, you know? And, and, and I think we tend to try to, to do that with God. We try to, to maybe bend God's will towards ours. Now, now listen, I'm not, I'm not, Jesus teaches us to, to be persistent in our prayers. And he says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. So I'm, I'm not telling you to, to not keep asking and not keep seeking and not keep knocking and, 
and, and, and I want you to be persistent in your prayers, but, but here's the key, okay? In that persistence, in that asking, and in that seeking, the key is allowing God to maybe change your perspective on what you're praying. Does that make sense? And maybe instead of, maybe if, if you're not hearing an answer from God, you know, and you keep asking, maybe God is trying to say, you know what, you're trying to bend my will towards yours and, and rather than you bending your will towards mine. There's an example of this in Scripture, and Jesus gives us a great example in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and if you're not familiar with the story, Jesus is about ready to go to the cross. He's about ready to suffer shame and humiliation. He's about ready to just take the sins of the world on his back. And Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying there all night long, okay? And you know how he starts out his prayers? You know how it starts it out? By asking God if there is any way he could get him out of this mess. God, if there is any way that you can let this cup of suffering pass, then please let it happen. God was asking, Jesus was asking God this question in prayer. But ultimately, Jesus finished by saying what? Yet not my will be done, but your will be done. And this isn't easy. There are struggles, there are bumps, there are marriage issues and financial issues, and sometimes we've just got to surrender. God, not my will, but yours be done. Even if it costs, even if it hurts. And that's what prayer does. It begins to change our heart to be more in line and more in tune with God's heart. Now listen, I know this isn't easy, and the last thing I want to do is to guilt you this morning into thinking that you need to pray more. Although guilt is a good motivator, it will not last. I mean, you'll leave here today and you'll, you'll go out to lunch and you'll have this nice, elegant, long prayer. And then you'll go to bed tonight and you'll pray some more and then tomorrow, you know, it may be... So I don't want to guilt you this morning, okay? But what I do want to do this morning is I want to encourage you. Paul, who was one of the apostles, wrote in 1 Thessalonians, a little book in the New Testament... Chapter 5, verse 16 and 18, this is what it says. It says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul believed that we could live in constant conversation with God, even as we go about our daily routines. Now, does this mean that we're always on our knees before him, continuously uttering prayers? No, rather it means that God is in, our, in the forefront of our thoughts at all times. And we consistently listen for his direction. See, prayer is key to sustaining and growing in a personal, intimate relationship with God. And here's this, God is interested, listen to me, God is interested in every aspect of our lives. Don't think for a minute that God's not interested in what you're doing. Or what's going on in your life. Don't think that, that God is bored or he gets tired of hearing from his children. God desires and wants us to know him. He wants us to have a relationship with him in prayer. I want to give you guys uh, a resource that probably one of the best books I've read on this subject. and uh, it's, it's by a guy named, uh, I quoted him earlier in my sermon, Charles Stanley. Uh, it's a great book. It's called Prayer, the Ultimate Conversation. And uh, 
I, I picked this up on Amazon for like 11 bucks, I think it was. And uh, so if you, man, I, I'm willing to do this, okay? If you say you want the book, if you come to me and say, Aaron, I would love to get this book. Because I know me, right? I, I'm like, I'd love to get that book, but what ends up happening is I walk out of here and then I just, I don't get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if you come to me and say, Aaron, I want this book, I, I will go, I will order the book for you. I won't pay for the book. Right? You've got to pay for it. Uh, but I will order the book for you, right? and, uh, and then when it gets here, I'll, uh, I'll deliver it to you, and you can pay and all that stuff, okay? Great book, man. I would encourage you to get that. It's a great, 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 uh, great resource. Now, here, here's what I want to encourage you to do, okay? I want you to start where you're at, because we're all at different levels of our walk with God here. And so maybe for you this morning, you just need to start by, God, man, I just need to carve out five minutes of my day somewhere to get off and just connect with God. Maybe on your lunch break, maybe in the morning. Yeah, I used to not be a morning person, but now I've kind of started becoming that because, man, if I don't get up before Jude gets up and before she, I just like, I, I just, I just see it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. And so I've been getting up, man, and just carving out that time. And so whatever that is for you, if it's late at night, then by all means, that's, that's when you connect best, and then I want to encourage you to do that, Okay. So start where you're at. I want to close this out in prayer, and then, I, again, I want to, um, as we sing this morning and have a response, man, if you're here this morning and you've, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, and uh, then I want to encourage you to come up and, and know that God is pursuing you. And I want to, as Noah said, man, I'll, I'll share with you kind of more in depth about what Jesus did for you. Or if you just need prayer, if you just want to come up and just connect with God at the cross, if you just want to kneel at your seat there, by all means, do that, all right, as we sing this song. And I uh, just want to encourage you guys to do that. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the fact that you invite us into your presence. God, the fact that you desire to have a loving relationship with us. God, I'm just blown away. That's your grace and your mercy. Father, I pray this morning that we've been encouraged. I pray that we will leave here desiring to, to connect with you and to grow deeper in our relationship. Father, understanding that prayer is the key. God, that our relationship with you, that everything else will flow from that relationship. God, and that's just the key. That's the key to it. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.